Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. James chapter two. Are you ready? On your marks. Not that it's a race or anything, but are you ready? Here we go. You ready? All right. It's going to be a stinger. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold, a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who were poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, quote, love your neighbors as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, quote, you shall not commit adultery, end quote, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Speak and act to those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. My God, this is good. Lord, come and mess us up in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Man. My God. Come on, somebody say, my God. God. Favoritism is rampant in our culture. Now, I remember, um, it was a while ago, but I do remember going to school and being ostracized for not having the right shoes or the right clothes. And I didn't stand long for it because I went home and pressured my parents to make sure I had the right shoes or the right clothes so that I didn't have that kind of treatment again. I've been on the outside and not included in the group. I remember playing sports at the park that was in my neighborhood and all the neighborhood boys would get together and there was junior high and high school all slammed up together. I was there with my two older brothers and and we would pick teams. You know, it's usually the two older kids that would be captains and then they would start picking and they would pick all the way down the line, you know, those who were perceived or we knew to be better athletes than others. And it was a horrible thing at a young age when you're, they get down 
they get down to you and, and you know, you know, Eunice or whatever his name is, the guy next to you. And, and they look at you and they're like, oh, oh I'll take Danny. You know, I mean, and, and they would God, be on his team. Oh, great. Yeah, I feel really honored. I feel awesome. Like, do you, do you have to play? Maybe you want to be an alternate. You know what I'm saying? Favoritism is rampant. And in our, I mean, schools just started over this last week, and maybe some of you high school students, junior hires, understand what it is to maybe be on the outside, not be a part of the trending crowd. Favoritism. You ever felt like you're not in the crowd? Part of me wishes I could be back in high school because I would wreck the devil's kingdom there. I would bring revival. Oh, if God could set some students on fire. If God could set you on fire in whatever, whatever place you're serving or whatever area of influence you have, whether it be at Walmart or Kmart or Target or in the public school system or in the legal system or maybe you're a politician or a mayor. May God use us to have a great impact favoritism is rampant, being left out. And we've all felt the pain of misjudgment. I don't know what color your skin is. I mean, if I was to look at you, I could possibly tell you what color your skin is, but there's a lot of racism. I didn't really understand that. Certainly growing up, I was like in a white ghetto. Honestly, we just never saw black, we just never saw black people. It was weird. And it's just sort of the part of the country I was in. And so I didn't really understand racism. And as I got into high school and then I got into college, I began to understand. And, and some of you understand full well what racism is and favoritism is. I remember moving to the island of Molokai. It was my first pastorate outside of being a part of a larger team there on the island of Maui. We moved to Molokai. Well, I was the only white guy along with my wife and my two little white kids. It's the only white people in the church. Oh, there was one other guy, Forrest. He was married to a Filipino lady. And there's all kinds of different cultures there in Hawaii, but there's all kinds of different cultures here. But literally, I was the only white person in the church, and they were very loving and kind and gracious, but you know, there were some other folks. Not to, the, the, Molokai was called the Friendly Isle, and I love them, and, and they're dear to my heart. But you know, there's some folks on the Friendly Isle, not so friendly. Just my, my culture didn't give me favor. If you were more aloha and more relaxed, you had more favor. If you just slow down, you had more favor. But I didn't have a slow gear. I learned to have one. I know that might be hard for you to imagine, but... I remember specifically going into the DMV to go get my license. I had to get my license renewed. And I'm in a rush. I've got like back-to-back -back meetings and all kinds of stuff. And there's one lady there and she's sitting back and she has a... She has a fan and she's fanning herself and she's reading something. And I walk up to the, to the window and I'm like, hi, how are you? Can you help me? Uh, hello? Doesn't even look my way now. Just fans away. And I realize, okay, we can forget about being in a rush. 
So I was starting to realize that I needed to slow down and just relax a little bit. So I took a deep breath and I just leaned on the counter. I'd have been on my phone if we had them back then, but we didn't have those. We just used rocks and smoke signals back then. And so I just decided, well, I'm not going to be in a rush. And I relaxed. And it was a really hot day that day. And I decided after, you know, two or three minutes, and she's still not up. She's still not helping me. And there's nobody else in the room. And it seems to me that she's reading the paper. How about helping me, right? But I didn't say that. And I just relaxed. And I said, oh, sure is hot outside. She says, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. At that, she gets up. She says, it's hot. I said, yeah. So she comes over to the counter. And she gives me a nod. And so I kind of nodded back. And she's, so you want help? I said, oh, okay. I had to learn. I've felt the, I've felt the sting of racism. I've felt the sting of not being on the in crowd, whatever the in crowd is. Of course, there's no such thing in the kingdom, which is what James deals with. And he deals with it rather aggressively. It's a, a, a very intense passage. And this passage causes us to see God. What do you mean by that? And we do have notes for you, so we'd encourage you to fill those in as we move along. This passage encourages us to see God right in the very first verse. Look what he says. We're going to take this verse by verse and move through it. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. He's making a very strong statement here. A very strong statement indeed. Our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the, is the invisible God made visible. And he's, say, he's, he's making a statement that we serve the living God who sees everyone in every station of life. And he's, he has no favorites. He's going to go ahead and deal with favoritism. And in the Old Testament, God is described as showing no partiality. See, what does that mean to me? Well, I'm going to get to application, but you, me, we, us, believers in the glorious, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ should show no partiality. But it happens all the time. Deuteronomy 10 and 17. Go ahead, turn there. For the Lord our God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Wow. Verse 18 says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to live, you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. The truth is, what he's saying is that if we love God, then we must love God in a way that's consistent with how he is. Not how we think he is. How he is based in scripture, God doesn't show partiality. Deuteronomy 16, 19. Don't pervert justice or show partiality. The New Testament, there's all kinds of scriptures we'll look at here. 1 Peter 1 and 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, 
live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Did, did you catch that? I don't think you did, so I'm going to read it again. First Peter 1 and 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here with reverent, with reverent what? Reverent fear. You see, just because you call on the name of the Lord doesn't make you better than any other human being. Oh, someone, did I shock you just now? So you're born again, you're spirit-filled, so you're better than the person that isn't? No, that's not true. No, every man is made in the image of God, and we're supposed to love God with the We're supposed to love people the way that God loves people. He said, well, I'm his favorite one. I, I think that's a cute saying, but the truth is every, God loves everyone equally across the board. That doesn't mean there's people that don't have favor. There is favor. Favor comes from God, but it doesn't come the way the world sees it. It's not the way that perhaps you give favor. Favor from God comes by obeying God's word. When you live for God, you live for him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. It releases favor. You want favor? Live for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God will give you favor with him and favor with man as well. In Acts chapter 10, thank you, Minister Barry, on the front row. I got one amen out of that. Let's go to, I'm going to see if I can't get two or three more. Here we go. Acts chapter 10. Peter began to speak. Verse 34. I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. See, if you do what's right, that you're going to be blessed. And the context of that is if Peter's preaching to the Gentiles, he's a Jew. And he's there by revelation. And when he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on all the Gentiles and begin to speak in other tongues. It's another instance of the proof of the initial, the initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And so he's, he's like, wow, God doesn't show impartiality. In other words, Gentiles were considered dogs. Even, even Jesus said... about healing to the Syrophoenician that she could have been, it could be looked at that she was called a dog by Jesus. Gentiles were considered dogs, but that's not how a Gentile is seen in the eyes of Jesus. And it's certainly not how Jews are seen, even though there's many Gentiles that are prejudiced against Jews. And that's not how God, that's not how God sees people. That's not how, that's not, and that's not how we should see people. God is impartial. Guess what you're supposed to be? Impartial. Does anybody else smell that? Is that conviction? I think that's conviction. It's just starting. It's going to get a whole lot thicker. In Ephesians chapter 6, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with them. You know, some of you, you're, you have employees. Now, slavery is wicked and evil, obviously. They had it back at the time of the writing, Paul, to the church in Ephesus. But in relation, we'll see it as employees and employers. Some of you treat your employees like they're dirtbags. And you should not. Because you've been employed by your heavenly father and he can fire you. Romans chapter 2, verse 9. There will be trouble and distress from every human being that does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, but glory and honor 
and peace for everyone who does. What do you get? You get glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For God does not, verse 11, God does not show. Listen, you need to turn there. Turn to Romans. You guys are looking at me like a cow to Newgate. Where? Romans. Turn to Romans. Romans chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Uh, verse 9 through 11, really. There'll be trouble and distress from every human being. Underline it. You say, well, I can't underline my, it's my Bible. I don't write my Bible. Well, you want to put that in like in a special glass case and get one that you can write in. <laughs> or on your device. There'll be trouble and distress for every human being that does evil first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, but glory and honor. How many of you like glory and honor? I would. How do you get that? Obey God. Glory, honor, peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. God does not show favoritism. I mean, can you imagine that Jesus would walk the earth and he would pick out the favorite people that he wanted to bless? Let me bless, the, let me, let me bless some of my favorite ones. That's not what he did. He released his power to the whole world. All who came to him were healed. He didn't show favoritism, Jew or Gentile. Now, there was a timing for release and for his raising up and the releasing of his power. It was first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, yes. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us. Verse 2, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. He's using this statement to awaken us to what Jesus has done for you and me. Turn to 2 Corinthians. You see, because you, you were an alien. You were far off. You were separate from God. You were headed to a devil's hell. And Jesus didn't look at you and me and say, I don't really like his face. Huh, he's poor. He's rich. Oh. Second Corinthians, verse 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake, for everybody say for my sake. For my sake he became poor, so that through his poverty might become rich. Literally, Jesus divested himself of glory, stepped out of eternity into time and space, into what some people think the creation's beautiful, and it is, but by comparison to heaven, it's a cesspool. He stepped out of that into this, put on this. I don't think we have any real framework for what that is. He so loved you, he put on flesh. Oh, wow. Why? So that you could be blessed. Every one of us are aliens. Every one of us are on the out crowd. You know what makes us on the in crowd? Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what levels the playing field. And it doesn't matter if you have money or no money. It doesn't matter if you're red and yellow, black and white, or butterscotch. It doesn't matter where you come from, wrong side of the tracks, right side of the track, silver spoon, plastic spoon, no spoon. We're all jacked up without God. God literally took our sin. 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Wow. That brings us to the text. Not to show partiality or favoritism. Don't show favoritism. James says, don't show favoritism. And he gives this illustration. 
Don't show special attention, verse 3 and 4. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, and say to the poor man, stand here or sit by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges of the evil thoughts? To discriminate on the basis of wealth is to make a false judgment, and an actual fact, you'll be judged for it. I had an interesting thing happen this morning, and uh, don't think evil of me. I was saying goodbye to people, and I had met some folks on the front side of the service, and now at the end of the service, I was in the front, as I, as I usually am, saying goodbye to people. Now some people head out the other side doors, and I don't get to say, say hi to everybody, but I, but I try to. And I was talking to a beloved brother, so sweet, and, and he had special needs. He had a hard time communicating. And as I'm shaking his hand, now understand I'm studying James, right? So I'm not quite done studying James. I still have the finishing touch to do on in the afternoon, but it was this morning. So as I'm shaking his hand, I'm seeing in my periphery people that I've not met yet, and it's, it, is, it, is, it hurts me. What do you mean? I, I want to meet everyone. I want to know everybody's name. God, help me. I was never really good at, at, at names. I'm trying hard. It, it's one of the challenges of my life to get to know you, a part of this church. And I'm so thankful for an amazing staff that gets to know you. And all of us work together to be a, a big family. But if I haven't met you yet, I want to. So while I'm shaking this brother's hand who's trying to communicate to me, part of me is like, I don't really want to talk right now. I met you in the front part of the service and I kind of want to hurry up and move on so I can meet these people that I haven't met. And I, it was an illustration from the Lord. And I wasn't thinking evil about him, but I wasn't really listening. Now, let me just say, if you have something heavy to talk with me, don't talk with me about it in between services. I'm trying to shake hands with people. If, you look, if it looks like I'm not paying attention, my, you can pray for my wife. She has a challenging time with me too. I do care, but sometimes I squirrel. <laughs> Not as bad as some, I know. But <laughs> so I'm wanting to move on. And as I'm in my heart, not listening to this brother who's trying to talk to me, struggling to get the words out, I'm, I go to, I'm, I'm going to like pat him on the shoulder and like kind of not let him finish, not be rude, but kind of move on. Does you know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me like that. You guys have done worse. The Lord says, what are you doing? And I thought, oh God. And I came back and I looked straight at him and I let him take his time and we talked back and forth and I saw God touch him and, and God touched me and I missed all the new people and it's all right. And I moved on and I realized, oh, Daniel, I felt like the Lord said, son, every single person counts. I know, I know that Lord. I'm like, why are you telling me that? I know that. Just slow down. Listen to people. Be kind. And I, I, at times, at times I'm not. I'm going to go encourage myself. I'll be right back. <laughs> Amen, Pastor. I just got convicted that I'm rushing to move on to somebody else, to meet somebody else, and my intentions are good, but, but there are times where God just wants us to pump your brakes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever have a car from the 70s? You got to pump your brakes to get those, build up that pressure, right? Not with the ABS brake systems, but 
to discriminate based on wealth. And I wasn't doing that, but the Lord did rebuke me to say, slow down. And every single person counts. And I, I'm like, I know that, Lord, but I, but I guess he wanted to emphasize it. You become judges with evil thoughts if you discriminate based on wealth. You see, what he's saying is if you have somebody that's wealthy, I'm not even talking just about church. Now, he's relating to the gatherings in church, but in your life, if you're, if you're nicer and kinder and show more, more favor to wealthy people, here's what you're doing. You're basically discriminating and judging, hopefully, because you're being nice and kind to them, they're going to do you a solid also. And they have the ability to do it. Oh, but a poor person doesn't, huh? Bump your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I came to church tonight. How about you? When you're treating someone in a way that you would benefit from it, it's evil. It's no difference. Listen, you can point your finger at, illi- at, at, uh, at corrupt politicians, but it's the same stinking thing. I said it's the same thing. And when you discriminate based upon somebody's wealth or how they look, it's no different than, than a judge waiting for a bribe to give you, to give you the favor in the, in the court decision. It's the same thing. Faith is not based on one's material status. Come on, look at verse 5 before we all fry. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom of God? You know, greatness in the kingdom has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with faith. It has everything to do with faith. And God doesn't have a problem with you having money. That's not a problem. But I've known people that have a lot of wealth and no faith and their wealth actually destroys them. I've seen that. Let me think that the answer to your problem is money. No, the answer, no. That's not the answer to your problem. The answer to your problems is a closer walk with Jesus is the answer to your problem. You walk closer with him. He sets everything straight. He'll help you. Just a closer walk with Jesus. Make no mistake, God has no problem blessing you financially, but some people would probably be better that they didn't have money because they destroy themselves and destroy others. In fact, I think it would be fantastic if George Soros was stripped of all of his wealth. Oh, yes, I said it. Funding all kinds of things that are completely ungodly. Oh, am I in trouble? I, see what happens I start talking like that and then I just feel this thing this, the Holy Spirit sort of pushes me from behind may God strip every evil intended person of their finances and give it to the church the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous can somebody say amen oh you know it's a beautiful thing to be very dependent on on the Lord God and his masterful dealing with me and, and Pastor Karen and our elevation and raising us up, we had many years where we were just very, very desperate for God. And we're still desperate for God, but not, not in the same way. There were times where we just had to pray in food. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a beautiful thing. You know why? Because God shows up. 
I can tell you story after story after story after story. I remember being on Molokai on an intern wage and a married and, and uh, a child and two kids and I had no, no protein. So I went out in the water out in, and I had a lay net there and I laid a net out. I won't go into all the details of that. And I prayed, oh God, bring me fish because all we have is rice. I mean, thank God for rice. Lord, bring me, I'm a tither. Release the fish, God. And every, I would come back and I'd look and the buoys were still straight across for those of you who know about fishing. And then when I came back in the later afternoon, I saw those buoys dip down and I thought, oh yes. And I put Hannah in a little inner tube. I don't think Daniel was born yet. Pushed her out into the ocean and went with her, of course. And, <laughs> and we made our way over to the net. And I remember pulling up the net, and it was the biggest Australian mullet I have ever seen. It was huge. <laughs> Good-sized fish. And when I got that, I had the power of God come all over me, and I grabbed that fish, and I said, Jehovah Jireh! I'm going to tell you it's an amazing thing to be in a place where if God doesn't come through for you, then, then what are you going to do? It's a place of miracles. Desperation and faith releases desire plus faith minus doubt equals a miracle. And I'm so glad that I've been through these times in my life because I wouldn't have been able to stand in the face of the obstacles of this building. I'll tell you that right now. God builds upon these different things and it's very important. Sometimes, look at D. Anyway, don't judge people based on external circumstances. We are to be fruit inspectors. You can judge people's character, their behavior, their speech. That's all very important. But don't just look and take it. Come on, man looks at the outward appearances, says in Samuel, but God looks at the, looks at the heart. Be very careful not to show favoritism. And now look at D. Sometimes those that are catered to because of their wealth bring great trouble on the church. Now I'm just going to tell you, I don't cater to those. But look at verse six and then I'll break it down a little bit. You who, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are you not the, are they not the ones dragging you to court? Are not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? We've never had a problem like this uh, in our board. Because let me tell you how you get on our board. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Whether you have money, you don't have money, it's irrelevant. That, that's, that's not a qualification for being on the board. Tithing is a qualification for being on the board. Character is a qualification for being on the board. Um, being faithful and loyal and longevity in the church is a requirement. We don't have a novice or somebody that's just come in. I, I remember talking to some influential person in another land. And they said, well, whatever church I end up in, I'm always ending up on the board. And I thought to myself, you'd never be on mine. Do you know that there are wealthy people, they happen to have a lot of money and they position themselves in churches, not ours, but they, because you couldn't, it, it wouldn't happen. That's not how it happens here. But they'll position themselves in places of influence in churches. Listen, this has happened. Maybe you came from a church that this happened to. 
They position themselves as a places of influence. They get on the good side of the pastor and they're, they're, they give, they support, they do things. And so the pastor then says, well, this would be a great business person to have on our board. And they bring that person on the board. And then, then what they do is they try, they start manipulating the church and try to run it like their own business. And they've destroyed churches. And there's literally people like that that move from church to church to church to church and have destroyed. I could tell you stories of churches that you might even know the names of. We have a lot of pastors that watch our program. Let me just tell you a little, little, little uh, tip for uh, pastors and for boards. One, there's no, have, have a, uh, uh, limits on how long a board person can serve. Two, make sure that they're real Christians, believers that have your heart they, and had, that they're tested before they're put on there. Yes, tithers, absolutely. Yes, givers. Yes, people of prayer. Yes, people that serve. People that have passed multiple tests. Those are the kind of people you have on the board. And, and then even then, there should be a rotation. There's no lifetime. There's no lifetimers on the board. Do you know that there is board deacon demonized churches? And they manipulate. And, and they... I'd never be able to talk to, in some churches, I wouldn't be able to talk about abortion. I had somebody, I had somebody, local church, a local church, don't talk about abortion. What in God's name are you talking about? Let's not celebrate Roe versus Wade. We might offend some people. Listen, if, you, if, you're, if you're a fan of abortion, then you, you really need to take a look at the scripture and what, what, when life starts before, it's actually before you're in the womb. You say, what, what about people's choice? They have a choice until there's other people in their body. Then they have no longer choice over that. There, there is responsibility. And that might not be popular for you. Uh, so just go to the YouTube and look for life, look for abortion. I've preached multiple messages on it, and I will do it again and again as the Lord leads. You say, well, that's not, I don't believe that way. All right. Well, you don't believe biblically then in that particular area of your life. And we're going to be in constant headbutting. And when you, get to the, when you get to heaven, you'll stand in judgment for how you voted and what you believe, as will I, as will, I, as will all of us. Can someone say amen? amen? So wealthy people many times try to get in place. Wealth, I don't mean wealth. Wealthy people that are bound, they try to get in places of control. And you see it in politics even now. Favoritism is a sin. Everybody say favoritism is a sin. For it breaks the royal law. Anybody know what the royal law is? Well, it says it right after. And it's also quoted in Matthew chapter 5. Shall love thy neighbor as thyself. Come on, you're supposed to love your... The royal law is also considered by many theologians to be Matthew 5, 21 through 48. It's the Sermon on the Mount. A section of the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know what the royal law is, go read that. And so favoritism breaks that. Come on, somebody say don't do it. God's been merciful to us, so we need to be merciful to others. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Can you imagine if he looked at you and said, no, I'm sorry, you're white, you can't be saved. No, I'm sorry, you're yellow skinned, there are no yellow skins here. That's not what he does. He looks at you and doesn't examine you by the color of your skin. You're a human being made in God's image. And he sent his only son while we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. I mean, that is the way that we're supposed to be. What's God saying to us? Don't be influenced by the philosophies of the world. Hinduism is prevalent in the new age. You know, Hinduism is wicked. 
Hinduism is evil. I got another amen from the Haggertys on the front, but I don't know where the rest of you guys are at. I said Hinduism is evil. It's a caste system. And it's been elevated in America as some great thing. Oh, how awesome. But it's a, the Hinduism is a caste system. You have the Brahmin, Brahmins at the top, and at the bottom you have these, uh, they called no-name people. Untouchables, thank you. Untouchables. They're not, they're subhuman. They're not even considered human beings and they're used as objects of people's lust. They're not even, that's Hinduism. Oh, Islam? This might get us yanked off the internet. Islam, Allah is not the God we serve. That's not who we're worshiping. We don't worship the same God. As long as you believe in God, (laughs) what God is that? If anyone preaches any other Jesus than the one that we preach, may be utterly accursed, Paul said. Allah is not our heavenly father. So in, in Islam, women are considered chattel. They, they can't even vote. They can't vote. Many nations in Islam nations, they can't drive. Let's move on. <laughs> Come on, you, have, you know why you have rights here? You have rights in this nation because our founding fathers, imperfect, absolutely, but they had language like inalienable rights. No matter who you are, if you're a human being, you have rights. They broke free from, from King George. I mean, that whole, there was kings, and noblemen, and knights, and serfs. That's that whole system. And I don't mean like serfs up, I mean like slaves. You, you had no rights, you couldn't do anything, and there's no way if you're a serf, you're ever gonna make your way out to become a noble. I've got news for you, the gospel set every single person free. That's one of the great things about the United States of America. Never forget that all men are equal. All men are equal. And I always say man, it's mankind. All of us are equal. We're all made in God's image. So when you meet somebody that's high or meet somebody that's low, don't you look down your nose at them. You bless them and you love them. Don't show favoritism. Not here, not anywhere. That's not what Christians should do. You who love the Lord, our God. Don't allow the treatment of people to be based on externals. Racism is real and it's wicked and it's evil. And we all love people that we love. And many times we like being around people that are like us, our culture. But if you look around this place, you'll see so many different cultures and it's a mashup of what it will be like in heaven. And I just love the multicultural way our church is. And I had a, a couple say to me that it was their last Sunday this Sunday and they're headed back to Florida and they pulled me aside and they said, Pastor, this is the most beautiful church I think we've ever been to. They said, the people are so warm and so loving and you can tell they mean it. You can tell that. You know, how many of you know when people are faking it? There's real love here. Oh, we're... We're not the perfect church. No, that'll be in heaven. 
But we're to love deeply, love one another deeply from the heart. That's what we're supposed to do. Supposed to bear one another's burdens, no matter what color skin, no matter how old they are, no matter rich or poor. And you know the funny thing about that is some people you think are poor, wealthy. No, you, you just you don't even think about that. In all the years of serving, I learned something from Dr. Morocco. We've never concentrated on money, and we never will. Let me tell you what we concentrate on. We concentrate on souls. We concentrate on reaching the lost and setting the captives free. That is what we do. Now, when you do that, finances flow. And there is a great release of finances. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do that. And it's a beautiful thing. It's all for the sake of the harvest. I'm on a fixed salary. Don't think I'm getting all wealthy out of you giving. That's not what's happening here. We have very clear structures and integrity, two signatures on every check. It's very, very important that that is the way that it is. It's not that way in every church. I'm so grateful that God has gathered us together to be a people that love deeply from the heart. So whether you're rich or whether you're poor, you know, really real wealth is not measured by how much money you have in the bank or don't have. Real wealth is a faith in the living God. That's what real wealth is. True riches, the Bible talks about. And we're to give honor, right, indeed. Give honor where honor is due. But don't be impartial in your behavior. Truly love people. I said truly love people. Be on your guard against excluding people on the wrong basis. So you mean, are there some people that we should exclude? Absolutely. You come in here and try to cause a problem, you'll be excluded. <laughs> we will lovingly exclude you from our fellowship. You come and try to cause division and we will help you in a very special way. We will love you. We will warn you. We will, tra we will teach you. We will instruct you. We will help you. But if you keep doing it, you're no longer allowed to come to church here. Are you serious? I've had people, I've had people come in here and try to steal, borrow money from all kinds of people. And then when I confront them, they say, hey, this is a church. I can be here. I said, yeah, it's my church. And I'm the shepherd. And I have a rod. I'm happy to use it. Oh, I'm sweet and kind until you start trying to mess with God's people. Then I have a whole other side. And I try to be loving. And honestly, at times I've gone overboard with that. Amen. If that's Jesus, just let me, let him know I'm, I'm almost done. Amen. I've had, I've had some people come here from another place, a cult, Minister Barry remembers, and uh, was it the Church of Christ? I'm happy to say it. It's a cult. Church of Christ. They, don't, they do not believe what we believe. They, they don't believe in salvation the way that we believe salvation. They skew scripture, twist things. There's all kinds of works. It's, it's a Christian cult. So I met the brother at the, at the gym, witnessed to him, and uh, we soon figured out that we did not believe the same way. Then he showed up here. I invited him to church, so he came. He came with another, uh, another one of his debaters, and they were in the back. And their job, what they were going to do is they're going to try to harvest people out of here to, to build their cult. And when I saw them, I about manifested holy righteousness with my right hand. They were talking to somebody and it was over in the back corner and I went up to them. I said, hi, excuse me. 
I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm like, oh, go ahead, Pastor. I'm like, thanks. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, we're just here fellowshipping. I said, are you talking to my people about your stuff, trying to recruit them into your thing? We're just talking to the people about theology. I said, let me, let me tell you something. You want to come here and learn the, the word of God? And you, you certainly can. You come and try to manipulate my people with that stuff, you're going to have a serious problem with me. And they said, oh. I'm like, yeah. This is Minister Barry. Why don't you discuss theology with the doctor here? We'll talk to you later. And I walked off. And I'd like to report that I just saw that beloved brother just about three months ago. And I said, um, hi. He said, oh, hey, pastor. I said, would you forgive me? He said, yeah. I said, I was a little too strong. I still feel the same way, but I could have been a little bit more gentle. And he said, oh, okay, would you forgive me? I said, yes. He said, all right, great, forgive you, awesome, take care, have a great workout. And I went back and worked out. You do exclude people based on behavior. There's gonna be a drawing of the line on theology. I'm not, letting someone, I'm not letting some charlatan come in here. I'm not letting somebody come in and shear all the sheep and take your stuff and manipulate you. We're not letting anybody in that back room that isn't, isn't authorized to be with our children. You're gonna be time tested with FBI background checks and we're gonna look at you and if we don't feel good about it, you ain't working there. Oh, that. Oh, that's, uh -huh. yeah, we've never had a problem. We never will. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> so it's, we don't show favoritism, but we do judge and you try to judge lovingly. Come on. Jesus was all over the Pharisees, Sadducees, couldn't seize and wouldn't seize. He's constantly confronting them, constantly correcting them. He even made a whip. He made a whip. I don't think you understand. It's, it's just before Sabbath. I mean, I have to go look at the text, but he makes a whip. Has anybody ever made a whip? He had to go get leather. He had to sit there and go, woo, go to church tomorrow. And he sat there and he weaves a whip. Maybe a cat of nine tails. I mean, we don't know, but I mean, it's a whip. It says it's a whip. It's, it's not just this little piece of leather. It's like, it's a whip. And he goes in and he flips. Come on, there's a time where you need to flip some stuff over and say, no, this is right. This is wrong. You don't need to be nice to everybody. You need to be kind. And there, and you, but you don't show favoritism. But at the same time, you do stand for what is right and you stand against what is wrong. You know, one of the things I hated early on in my mind, Christians had to be just sweet and nice all the time. And so I thought, Christians are sissies. This was before I was saved. And I want to tell you, I didn't want to be a sissy. I don't, I don't, I didn't, you know what I'm talking about? I don't want to be some noodle. Oh, okay. It's just a reed that's bent with every wind. You know, Christians should be the strongest, most productive, powerful people in the community. And you know something? That is how it is here. You don't need to be weak. You can be strong. In fact, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Stand against what is evil. Stand against favoritism and racism. Vote. Do something about it. Stand up for people. My wife knows I've had a couple of instances that, it, that it's taken place where I see somebody being abused. It is not even a thought process 
where I am, and then thinking, geez, maybe I should help them. The next thing I know is I'm in there with a double arm bar helping the guy that's beating on somebody else. I'm going to stop. I don't, it's not even a thought process. Some people are like that. Should maybe ask questions first, but <laughs> be on your guard against excluding people on the wrong basis. There are people that you should exclude. And those are people that are steeped in sin and don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. You love them, you witness to them, you invite them, but if they continue in their sin, you don't have to make them your best friend and invite them to live in your living room. You take a stand. Well, I just wanted to open my home. They were in need. Yeah, they're drug addicts. Okay? You, okay, but maybe they're not drug addicts. Maybe, maybe they're, they're something else. You, we get them help. We'll get them help. You don't need to move them into your house and have your kids defiled. Hello. All right. So I just wanted to make sure we're not making you into sissies through this message. Okay. As a church, we're to be inclusive, not exclusive, inclusive, not exclusive. But again, we are going to exclude as God leads us through his word. But we're here to reach the lost. Don't play favorites. Did you get something? Favoritism is wrong. Favor from God comes when you serve him and live for him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.